Hey, it's Andy from Talking to Teens. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five-star review. Reviews on Apple and Spotify help other parents find the show, and that helps us keep the lights on. Thanks for being a listener, and here's the show. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle. Welcome to our 100th episode. We're here today with Bill Derezowitz, who you might remember from our very first episode over two years ago. He was on the show back then to talk about his New York Times bestselling book, Excellent Sheep. And today he is talking about his brand new book, The Death of the Artist, How Creators Are Struggling to Survive in the Age of Billionaires and Big Tech. We're going to talk about what it looks like to be an artist today, how art is actually getting made and paid for, and what it all means for teenagers and parents today, especially if your kid is artistically inclined. Looking forward to discussing all of that with William Derezowitz. Bill, thank you so much for coming back on the show. been a couple years since we talked to you on the show. I think over two years ago now, a lot has happened and you have a new book out. I have a new book out. So, okay. So tell me about what, uh, you know, inspired it and how, what you've been doing in the, in the meantime. Yeah, I've been, I, I've been working on this book actually four or five years. I think what inspired it was really me wondering how, how artists are making a living these days, because it just seems so hard. And I've always really, really cared about the arts. I mean, I was an English professor. I was a dance critic before that, fun fact, actually while I was in graduate school studying English Lit. And, but I think everybody cares about the arts. I mean, if you, I think if you think about it, how much time in an average day do you spend listening to music or watching shows? I mean, that's art too, narrative television or books or going to a museum or whatever. Hours, I mean, probably a, yeah. Hours, right. We all, I mean, this is all incredibly important to us. And yet, I think we don't spend very much time thinking about, or quite frankly, caring about the people who make this stuff and how it gets to us. And that's become especially a problem in the last 20 years. I mean, mainly because of the internet. There are other factors that we can talk about. But I mean, everybody, I mean, I think people basically know at least that Napster came along. It was 1999 and suddenly music was free. Yeah, and then text became free, and video, and the, the, if not free, then the the price of all these things were, was has been driven down tremendously, and it feels like this golden age for us, the audience. Yeah, how are people supposed to make a living actually making it? But I don't see that. Like, I don't approach that as a rhetorical question. Like, how are you supposed to make a living? Like, people are doing it. So I wanted to know, like, how are yeah. they actually managing to do this, and how sustainable is it, and what does it look like? So I went and asked, I, I interviewed like 140 people and I just, and I asked them and read a lot of books and articles and blog posts and blah, blah, blah. 
and uh, and I got a picture, which I present in the book in, in a lot of really granular, specific detail. I really wanted to nail it down and not just kind of wave my hands around. It's a look at art and what art is right now and the people who make it and how they do it and um, how the all-important question of how they, um, you know, pay for life, uh, how they support themselves while um, being artists, uh, which, you know, people don't seem to want to talk about enough that money and art need to happen in the same conversation. And so I think it's refreshing. One thing I thought was really interesting is you talk about this kind of one of the one of the first sort of knee jerk responses when you start, you know, this conversation with people is this idea of, you know, oh, just kind of put stuff out. You just need to like be just put content out there, put stuff out and people will find you. And your book kind of made me really like think deeper about that and just kind of who actually is successful with that versus who's not. Yeah, I mean this book in many ways is written against that idea that you just articulated that's been disseminated for about the last 20, 25 years by Silicon Valley and by journalists and academics who've taken up this line that you can just put your stuff out there because for Silicon Valley, it's really great. Like they, they're not actually funding any artists at all. They're not supporting any artists at all. Um, Unlike, you know, even sort of the, the big bad culture industry, you know, the suits at the publishers in New York or the labels or the studios in Hollywood, like as whatever you can say about those people, they can't survive without investing in the artists that they publish or produce yeah. or whatever. Silicon Valley is completely parasitic on this. I mean, with the exception of, you know, they're now they're funding some streaming content, but by and large, yeah, right. they just sit back and they wait. You know, because every time you put something online and then people click on it, they're making money from that because they're counting the clicks, they're aggregating the data, and they're selling the data. And in the case of Apple, they were they started this whole idea because they were selling us the tools. Like, why should you buy a computer that's twice as expensive as another one? Well, because you're an artist, and this is a computer for artists, and so on and so forth. So I think that's where this idea came from. A, we're all artists. B, it's never been easier. C, just put your stuff out there. D, you'll have a wonderful life doing what you love. Not really, to say the least, not that simple. So I'm trying to fight against that story. Because, yeah, I mean, actually, you can put your stuff out there. And that is often the beginning. But it's really only the beginning. A counterpoint, I guess, is that artists shouldn't be so concerned with money. Aren't they supposed to do this for the passion? And aren't they supposed to do this for the love? And aren't we kind of cheapening the entire idea of art by even bringing money into the conversation? Right. That's the right. So the so the uh, I start the book by trying to knock down like the two arguments that are standing in my way. And the one, the Silicon Valley one, that's the second one I get to. And the first one I get to is the one that you just articulated, which I also had myself when I started this project. Like, man, if you think about money, you're a sellout and art and money should never touch. And, you know, art should just be about love and, you know, do it for love. And it's, sure. this is all, this is very naive. This is very childish. 
yes, artists work from love. You would never do this if you didn't love what you were doing. And they right. do it from a desire to communicate, from a desire to tell the truth, and from a desire to express what's inside them. And all of that is true. But, you know, you can say a lot of the same things about, say, teachers. They do it from love. They do it because they care about kids, because yeah. it's important work. Would anybody suggest that teachers should not get paid? I mean, quite frankly, they don't get paid enough, but they should right. nobody. I, they almost don't, but... They almost don't, but even sort of the even the stingiest state legislator who doesn't give their public school teachers enough money, I don't think even they would have the gall to say that they shouldn't get any money at all. Right. That's the same thing with artists, but there is this enormous taboo in the arts about talking about money, and that's become a huge obstacle because, first of all, it creates the attitude among the audience that, no, we shouldn't have to pay them, they shouldn't ask what's wrong with you, and it creates the attitude among artists that you should feel guilty for asking or guilty for negotiating. Yeah. Uh, when somebody asks you to do something for free, which is an increasing problem, you should say yes. Young artists need to know very early on that this is stuff that they have to think about. It's stuff that they're allowed to think about. They're cheating themselves if they don't. Yeah. They're hurting themselves if they don't. And by stuff, you mean like how they're actually going to make money if they want to do art or how they're going to support themselves Absolutely. Absolutely. And then in the age of the Internet, all the stuff that that involves that it didn't used to involve, yeah. you know, stuff that can be kind of icky. That's icky for me, like self-promotion and self-marketing or that's just kind of difficult and not fun, like self-management. You know, I should also say, though, a lot of people, a lot of the artists I talk to also embrace the new freedom that the Internet provides to do, you know, to kind of manage your career without having to have, you know, an agent, a manager, a publisher, a label intervening. And so a lot of them bring a great deal of creativity to their career itself. So instead of just yeah. seeing it as a burden, you can also see you it. You kind out. of have to figure it out. There's not really a blueprint to make it work and to make all the ends meet. Like you talk about these, you know, uh, everyone's kind of finding a different way to cobble together income from like various different sources using their art in order to uh, survive. Exactly. And, and, I'm, and I'm simply saying that that you know, a, a lot of people embrace that as a creative opportunity. Like, you know, let's play around with it. Totally. Let's see what we can do here. Yeah. It's a freedom, um, but also, yeah, it needs to be thought about and it can't be ignored. You talk about this freedom that exists now. And it's definitely a good thing because it means that everybody can be an artist and everybody has the freedom to pursue art. But as you point out, it's also a bad thing that everyone can <laughs> do it and everyone does. So why is that? Right, right. And I, I know I, I, yeah, this may, may make me sound like a bad guy. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> here, here's what I'm saying with that, right? So, so the story, again, the story that artists are sold or potential artists are sold is, you know, you can just put your stuff out there, you can build an audience, you can reach an audience, you can monetize an audience, you can, okay, that's sort of just true. Just find a thousand fans and then A thousand true fine. fans, maybe it needs to be a little more than a thousand now. Yeah, exactly right, yeah. exactly right. And, and again, it's not as easy as all that, but, well, even just doing it yourself, it's, it's a lot of work. But you have to remember that you're not the only person who's heard this message. Everyone has heard this message. Yeah. So, for example, I think about 75,000 books are published each year by commercial publishers. 
Um, and that's, I don't know, I don't think that number has gone up tremendously in the last few decades, about 75,000. And that's pretty, that's a lot already, obviously, to compete with. But at this point, yeah. uh, the number of books that are self-published each year is over a million. Okay, so, yeah, yes, yeah. So every year, over a million people are self-publishing their books, assuming there's no more than one book per person. And, uh, and they all think that they're going to, you know, reach this audience and have, a, this is the point. It's the numbers have multiplied and you could say, you could make the same, you could say the same kinds of things about music or independent film. Sure. The numbers have multiplied tremendously to the point where success is like winning the lottery, as people have said to me. And it's like become so global now, you know, whereas there used to be like different local markets that could support artists at the local level. Now everything is global. So it's so all or nothing where these people that have risen totally to the complete top. And then there's, you know, everybody else in kind of the vast majority of the population, I guess. Well, that's I mean, that's a big that's a big fact, fact across the arts as well is what people call the blockbuster effect. Okay. Which is that because of the internet and because the because the world is globalized, as you just said, the people at the top are getting more than ever. So one number I cite in the book is that in the music business in the eighties, you know, the the era of Michael Jackson's thriller, which was this huge yeah. blockbuster album, um, eighty percent of the money in music went to the top twenty percent of content. Now it goes to the top one percent of content. Wow. Exactly. This is now. This is why the middle tier is kind of. I mean, that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about the middle, the survival of the middle, because yeah, right. there have always been starving artists, usually young artists, or let's say struggling artists, young artists, or or artists who maybe they're just not that good, or maybe their work is too weird, or maybe they're just they're just kind of doing it part time. Whatever it is, there have always been plenty of artists quote-unquote, at the bottom. That's not a value judgment necessarily. That's just reality. But before the internet, if you were in that middle tier, which means you would establish yourself as a full-time working artist, people took you seriously in your field, your peers did, critics did, you had found an audience, people liked your work, you were working regularly publishing, you know, releasing music, you could have a middle-class standard of living. You weren't rich. Yeah. But you could afford a decent place to live. You could afford decent health care. Maybe you could send your kids to college. That's that middle tier, which is the lifeblood of every art. You know, the everyday working yeah. musician, the, the painter who sells in a gallery, but not, you know, doesn't have their work in a museum. Indie filmmakers. That middle mm -hmm. tier is getting decimated. And so you have the blockbuster successes at the top and lots of people at the bottom even these full-time working artists who are basically living kind of working-class existences, kind of hand-to-mouth, never mind sending your kids to college, they feel, many of the people I spoke with feel they can't even afford to have children at all. There's this strange idea you write about that artists are kind of lazy or um, <laughs> that, you know, it's like the burnouts who kind of want to just like kick back and be artists. So that's kind of not the case today anymore, huh? Well, it was never, it was never the case. So since, I mean, again, we're talking to teens here. So let me first of all say, 
because I know I've just laid out a lot of negativity and pessimism. <laughs> but that's, I mean, I'm trying to be real, right? And the reason yeah. that people, like I said, I talked to 140 people. I asked them really intimate details about their financial lives, like things that you're not supposed to talk about, things that you're not supposed to ask about. And a lot of them said, I'm going to tell you, because I think it's so important for young artists to hear the truth that I wasn't told, I didn't hear when I was young. That's why I'm saying all this stuff. But I want to say, first of all, it is not my intention to discourage anyone. In fact, yeah. if you think you have a calling, you have a passion for the arts. If when you were five or 10, you felt like you, I want to be a writer, I want to be a musician, because so many of the artists I talked to said, I knew from a young age, I knew when I was 12, that I wanted to be a filmmaker. And now I'm 35. And I'm a filmmaker. And I don't care how hard it is. I love doing it. This is what I meant to do. If you're one of those people, I think you should go for it. You should give yourself a chance, knowing, knowing that at a certain point, maybe when you're 30 or 35, because that's typically when it happens, you might have to say to yourself, this isn't working out. I can't support myself. I need a plan B. But if you haven't given yourself the shot, if you haven't given yourself the chance, I think you're going to feel like you've disappointed yourself, like you've cheated yourself. I think you might be bitter and resentful and regretful. So one of the things that almost all the artists I talked to said was, I knew from a very young age. I knew when I was two. I was writing books when I was three. Mm. The other thing almost all of them said was, I got no encouragement from my family. I got no encouragement from my school. People, people, I got a lot of discouragement. This is a fact about, you know, we say we value creativity. We say especially we value creativity in kids. We want kids to have arts education. In this country, at least, we have a hostility towards the young adult or the child who wants to be an artist. Yeah. And we think they're lazy. We think they're undisciplined. I mean, who is more disciplined than a musician? And in terms of lazy, yeah, right. the artist I talked to, I could not believe how hard they worked. They seemed to work all the time. Artists are tough. They were resilient. They had grit. They had self-belief. They were focused. They were stubborn. And they had to be because they've been fighting their whole lives to do what they want to do against the resistance of everybody else. And your young child artist or young artist are artistically inclined. And your school thinks because maybe you're not academically gifted in the traditional way. They don't know how to see the talent that you have. A lot of artists, people said this to me, have ADD. That's just how their brain works. And if you put them in a situation where they have to sit still and focus on a math problem, they're going to look undisciplined and stupid and maybe lazy. But if you put them in a situation where they can thrive, they're going to be the stars. But we don't have an educational system that's set up to recognize and nurture that. We're here with Bill Derezowitz talking about what to do if your teenager is artistic. And we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show. The last number I saw, 70% of people who graduated from college, 70%, were working in jobs that were not directly connected to their major. They're putting their whole soul into something. They're developing capacities that will be incredibly powerful for them as they go into their adult lives. He said, you know, 
I, I, it's like I couldn't fly. Like I, all my peers were, were flapping their wings and flying off, and I was bumbling around on the ground until I discovered illustration later in life, you know, in his 20s. And then I realized, you know, I couldn't fly because I was a penguin. And penguins can fly, but they fly in water. And I'd finally found my element, and I could be free. Yeah. But it took him until his 20s. And he talks about his friends, his sort of creative friends in high school who, you know, were also really not served and kind of ended up crashing and burning and living really disorganized lives. Like they were the kids in the parking lot. And he said then later he becomes an illustrator and he becomes very interested in kind of the business of art. He now teaches business and he's got a podcast to, to, to artists. Uh, he started reading these books about people like Steve Jobs, you know, these heroic creative entrepreneurs who are supposedly one in a million. He said, you know, you're describing my friends in high school. These kids are everywhere. We just don't have the ability to recognize them or the willingness to recognize them. Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get unlimited access to all the interviews I've conducted. It's completely affordable. And your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.